pandemic got us into a reflective space and made us look inward to see what we can do for the world at large. As a self-expression coach, I became a catalyst for women and started Vani, a one-on-one -on -one coaching program for women on finding their voice, to speak up, to be visible. As a storyteller, I spotted there were many ordinary people amongst us leading extraordinary lives, making a difference to the world, and they needed to be heard. Thus was born You and I with Rashmi Shetty, where amazing personal journeys with their uniqueness and individuality are showcased. A reaffirmation of the fact, open your eyes wider, the world is far more beautiful when we acknowledge the presence of both you and I. Our guest today is the vibrant and ambitious professional, Mohammed Basi. He is determined to make a mark in the software industry, overcoming challenges of vision. He aims to grow a fulfilling career in the field of IT, utilizing the opportunities in the sector. His unquenchable passion is to help his fellow beings in the differently abled community by sharing his experience and knowledge to help them enter mainstream into society. And this is laudable. He has represented the group of visually challenged students in 2008 to meet Dr. APJ Abdul Kalam and was chosen from the group to ask him a question. An astute 5 out of 5 rated IT professional in talent acquisition with an outstanding 12 years of experience in an MNC and a year plus experience in teaching computers and soft skills in an NGO, Masim is all set to make a difference. Awarded the Star Employee of the Year and the Wall of Support for the Year, he has bagged five promotions as a recognition for exhibiting superior performances. An ardent musician, he plays several instruments like the veena, tabla, guitar, and holds a distinction and has even won the second rank in the state-level veena competition. He has given several performances on radio, TV, in India, and abroad. Basim has penned and sung several ghazals and poems and has even composed them. Travel to the USA on education and cultural exchange programs, Basim has also performed in a band called Sonada for two months in 2004. Listen in as Basim shares his amazing journey, the challenges he faced as a kid and how he overcame that. He shares the secret sauce to the infectious positive attitude that he so easily carries. Hi, Vaseem. Such a pleasure to meet you, see you after such a long time. And welcome to you and I with Rashmi Shet. Thank you. My pleasure being in this uh, conversation because I've uh, seen you interviewed uh, eminent guests. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Vaseem. When we are talking about Vaseem, the Vaseem we see today is somebody who's inspirational and people derive a lot of motivation from. But what was little Vaseem like? So if you can take us through your childhood and tell us where you were uh, brought up, how exactly did your journey begin? It'll be amazing. I'm a very tough kid. 
my parents would have had a tough time putting me in one place and pinning me down to something yeah i mean that's how uh, a child should be so i was uh, very naughty not at one place but then you know as i was reaching 4 4 and a half years my eyesight slowly uh, began to come down so i was losing eyesight for about initial uh, initial 15 uh, 20% of my disability i myself didn't realize it was so gradual so i i really didn't i really didn't um, figured out i'm turning blind and what happened was uh, i was also beginning to go to school beginning to go to school and then uh, people at school were saying you know why are you sitting in the first bench because i wanted to see the board i was struggling to see the board they were saying oh, no no i this is my place you go to back bench and all that then i stand very uh, next to the teachers table and then make my notes uh, to see the board and all that and finally um, five five and a half years it became so difficult that i had to move out of school and then people were saying you know you you probably uh, should go to blind school so my parents were you know they didn't know canada and then they didn't know how to whom to approach and there was no awareness and all of that so we struggled a little bit and my parents finally i mean they were so determined that i need to go to school so they managed to find out uh, school and then i was taken to the blind school there the story was again a little bit different they said no this this person can see quite a lot you know he doesn't belong here this is blind so i was not legally blind or blind uh, then um i was still struggling to find my society or a community so then after some time you know that went on and then uh, finally blind school accepted me that i am blind and i was given the admission and then we started the education so it was a boarding school um my brother is also blind he is the first child in the family i am the third child so when i was born my parents were so happy that okay our second male child is not uh, blind because my brother is born blind i was not but that joy didn't last long as i said you know by the time i reached four and a half five years and I, they realized that you know okay their second child is also blind now so it was a very hard for my parents uh, yet they have given me the best and uh, i began my education from there on okay right? uh, what was this condition uh, was seen where you're born normal but then it, was it something like the retinitis pigmentosa yes uh, it's called microphthalmos right you know it's it's a condition where the eyes um, retina eyeball all this will shrink right it will not grow like it should grow uh, you know after a baby is born so uh, my eyes sort of shrunk uh, eyeballs got smaller and smaller and then optic nerve also was they say uh, dried up so okay. it's like an autoimmune is it there's no medicine for it yes yes you know so um, it was difficult you know there was no medical treatment available for that so we just have to let it go as is so so in the midst of all of this uh, as a small kid uh, what is it that was going through your head i'm sure you also were equally confused how were you in school how did your school journey progress okay uh, yeah it was very difficult to doubt about it but you know if if these kind of things happening at the child childhood you know a child is is a ruthless and careless you know it doesn't matter you fall down you get up and you move and you exactly do what what people tell you not to do right that is typical Uh, nature of a child i mean that really helped um, if you ask me if i turn blind at the age of 
30 35 or 25 you know after the adulthood you know it's a little difficult because your your maturity kicks in and you think a lot and then you don't know what to do but in you know, with as a child uh, you know you really don't bother about those things you know you you uh, but yeah i know it was little bit scary uh, i was holding myself for uh, few days and few months and obviously then i didn't uh, hold it back and then i was uh, pretty much pretty much on my own and even the school was such that it was a boarding school you know you do your own things you you wash your own clothes you mend your own you stitch your own clothes uh, stuff like that you know it's it's pretty school was like that will get you do everything on your own so i think that way uh, i'm happy that i i lost my eyesight at the age of 4 uh, 5 years and i didn't really have to worry about the consequences of what if i fall down what if don't listen to somebody and all of that so how were you in school as a student were you a brilliant topper in school above average average what 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 was school journey like okay so i mean on the paper i'm very average student okay uh, mind you i'm saying on the on the paper paper here yeah. but uh, but i i was somebody who is going beyond your textbook who is trying to know bit more what people tell you you know that that uh, curiosity i spent a uh, lot of time in library um, i was little bit reserved i was more of uh, reading writing very disciplined uh, reserved but uh, you know it 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 is always beyond the curriculum i used to understand things so that sort of gave my teacher a little bit of insecurity i believe you know they, they said okay this guy knows a little bit too much and always try to answer questions and doesn't give opportunity for others and all that so but that's that also um, proved in in when i graduated from my 10th sslc there were about 13 of us and i was the one who finished it in first attempt all the other 12 had to go for a second and mind you my marks was just 58% and then uh, post 10th by then uh, you had decided which stream of education you're going to choose in 11th and 12th or and were you kind of clear what you're going to do okay so um, okay I'll, i'll give you a little bit background because sure. to, after 10th i entered the mainstream hmm. the reg- so called the regular college or the normal college so the school was such that you know as i said it prepared us to face the world in the school itself for example our, our uh, daily life was like this get up at 4 feed cows milk them wash them and you get ready for breakfast and you finish, you you do your regular schooling you know you you have your class history science social whatever right you know, yeah. those, those languages that sort of a schooling or apart from that you had something called as dls daily living skills i i mentioned some time ago that you know we uh, we prepare our own bed yeah, we yeah. wash our own clothes we bathe ourselves and stuff like that you know it prepared us to be on your own be and where, where was this uh, residential school wasim were you in karnataka or outside karnataka yes yes i'm a bangalorean so this school is in jp nagar uh, oh. Okay. Ramana Maharshi Academy for Blind. Okay. Oh, Ramana Maharshi. Ramana Maharshi Academy for oh. Blind. Sorry. Okay. So this is, uh, I mean, uh, it's a very very good school. Yeah. Uh, also in the sense that all the other schools in Karnataka were like teaching um, other subjects, political science, because science and maths considered to be 
not for blind but our school stood its ground and said no we will teach these science and uh, mathematics uh, also in, in in the school high school okay. i think it was really really great um, yeah so coming back to that so there were a few things we did for example computers uh, additional uh, curricular activities sports uh, even for that making uh, making cargo boxes the vocational training that we got all these things put us in such a place that i can go out uh, in the world and uh, be on my own when i when i took admission in in a college which is a government college it's a pu boys college in malaysia so there um, you know you have to sit with everybody people uh, so called normal people and then same sort of notes i will have to refer same sort of lectures same means of studying um, you know stuff like that so it was a little different um, but i think that uh, 11th and 12th also prepared me to uh, much bigger higher education uh, stuff so uh, it was a lot of braille books and record uh, cassettes that i used for uh, study but i know that that was not a right way of studying because braille book is so hefty and heavy you cannot carry them always to uh, college and cassettes i am not uh, used to it because i listen to somebody is uh, reading the book i doze off so i had to come up with my own means of studying huh? so um, i managed uh, with decent marks in in pu and then i went into and what uh, did you devise wasi uh, because you said even you listen to record cassettes you fall asleep braille books were too heavy so what was your uh, management system that you had devised to make sure that you understand what you study oh, for me i want somebody who can interact like i said you know somebody reads a book i had a, always this itching to ask questions to get those questions answered otherwise i am still with a question and book is already uh, read and finished so it used to happen that way so i i needed somebody who is sitting in front of me reading that book so it's called the reading services i took i took yeah i took a lot of help from people who sit and read up me and all that uh, it was great i don't think uh, people do that anymore uh, because of this advent of computers and all that i think that was great and also i i was also inclined towards technology so i began computers around the same time i i went for a computer course in my summer holidays and picked up some internet browsing skills and all of that and managed to finish pu and by when i finished pu i was seriously thinking what do i do next because until then it was just going with the flow when what I, subjects did you pick in your pu a pu was typical uh, history economics and uh, okay. political science and sociology okay post But, that post uh, pu how did you decide where you're going what you're going to do right so what happened uh, when i really gave a thought i realized i am poor at many things despite and i am in the mainstream and i am talking to people enough confidence but still not good enough to get into a college so then i realized i need to do something on my english because what i studied was english medium hmm. but all i learned was kannada all right this was uh, not at all there so then i had to uh, pick up my communication skills and i also know that if i have to strike a conversation with somebody i need to understand what's happening around the current affairs and stuff like that so i took journalism and uh, to understand my own rights what is right wrong you know stuff like that so i i took uh, political science so 
when I took these after consulting a lot of people, this was a very uh, well thought out decision. I would say uh, that I, I wanted to do journalism, English and political science. I mean, from there on, it was a lot of learning, a lot of efforts, spend a day, day, day and night, uh, putting yours, putting for your studies. Uh, it was like this. Um, my college was in Jayanagar. I used to live in KR Pram. And uh, it was, uh, I start at 7 from home, go back home at 11. Between all that is just studies, studies, studies. So I, I put in a lot of efforts then. And by God's grace, um, I am a graduate. I am the only graduate at home. I mean, my parents' wish was at least one person you know, comes out of college with a degree. So I think that was the dream come true for my parents. And also, I am happy that you know I could, I could achieve that. You know, Vaseem, when I saw you first, I saw you on stage. When did music enter your life? Music was uh, very much there in my childhood itself because the school I went there, it's very, very rich in in uh, the culture, music, etc. So we were really given not just the so-called normal education, we were also given that sort of a culture and, and music. So where we began our, uh, sorry, music at the very, very early age. Yeah. So music teacher was sitting, um, she was also new. And I was just standing by the window outside and then she is playing Veena and then I heard, I heard that sound sort of, uh, we say nada. I mean, if I say nada, that is more appropriate because if I say sound, probably uh, not, not the right word. So the nada that I heard from Veena, I think that was very beckoning, inviting, or it was also very soothing. I mean, I, I just stand by there and then listen and then a uh, music teacher saw me two, three days and she invited me in and then we had a conversation and all that. And then slowly other things creeped in such as, you know, culture-wise, you know, you're a Muslim. This is an instrument held by uh, Goddess Saraswati and all that. I mean, you've got to leave that behind. Like I said, when you are in the right environment, you know, you think right. So I, I was very, very happy that I was brought up in that culture and then those kind of things didn't have a space so i had to let that go and then i began uh, veena there and uh, i learned veena with that teacher for about uh, 16 17 years so oh. i took formal uh, exams you know, they have junior senior yeah. and with word and all that so i began all of that uh, right from the school age and gave a lot of uh, programs. I would not say concerts then. At the school itself, I was giving programs at All India Radio. Oh. I was giving uh, programs for TV. So it, it really gave us very good confidence. So my music is right from my childhood. Because the first time when I saw you on stage playing the Veena, I, I really, really loved the way you played it. Uh, because Veena is one of my favorite instruments. And when later you told me your name is Vaseem, I was even more surprised and inspired. I was always curious to know where music came into your life because uh, I'm sure uh, it gave you a lot of stages to uh, perform and also come before people to show your progress in music. So did it continue in college as well? Like, uh, did you keep the classes on when you were studying in college? Because your day seemed so long in college, 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. Did music find a place or you had set music aside now? No, no. There was no um, question of 
setting music aside when i was finishing my school when i got good, very good marks you know about uh, 94 out of 100 i was probably state uh, second rank in, in terms of score oh. so my my veena teacher gifted veena as a token of appreciation oh, wow. uh, huh. she also said look this is actually a gift but i do not want to give it away just like that just to give you a feeling that you have earned it right you need to pay me 1000 rupees um, so i made that and then she taught me that you know yeah nothing comes as a free lunch so my teacher my music teacher her name is indra ramakrishna she taught me that whatever you get you have to earn it so therefore you know she that is her way of teaching you know you just give 1000 rupees and this gift is yours so uh, well, the actual intent is that, you know, she wanted to appreciate me for the effort that I put in in securing that marks and for the passion that I had for Veena. So Veena is always with me. Okay. And uh, uh, post your graduation, how did life decide what you're going to take up? Were you clear by the time you finished your graduation that you're moving into the HR space? Yeah, I mean, it's a sort of yes and no, because uh, by the time I graduated from my college, Hmm. I was thinking three, four things. One, something on the technology. I was good at writing because I was a journalism graduate. So can I can I do something like technical writing where people write a lot of manuals and user stories on technology? Just like people write reviews on the movies, right? I wanted to write things about technology. So this is what I was thinking. But then I understand that it had some limitations in terms of courses and certifications and all of that that so but then i i changed it a little bit uh, i i thought i would uh, get into a talent acquisition within the hr function so where i get to see how the technology is going on the market at the same time interview people who are technical people who are software engineers and architects okay. right and, and so i mean i am many ways a people person like to talk and the technology came in. So I thought it would be a, not a bad combination and I thought I would go in here. So looking back, uh, Basim, at this point, uh, on your childhood, on your uh, PU and uh, then your college and you're moving into HR and choosing talent acquisition, what are some of those pivoting points for you that told you that, Basim, this is what you have to do. This is how you need to go. What were those conversations you had with the self that helped you understand who you can become? The thing that I first told myself is that, look, you are confident, but then you just have to prove it uh, to the people, right? It, it is always a conversation that will make a difference. That is why interviews have been valued so much. So I know that I need to prepare for the interview, prepare to present myself and also present technology skills. Because in the interview, you... You can talk, but then when it comes to presentations, you will have to have your laptop or computer skills and, and go out there and present. So similar thing happened. I was called in for an interview, the place I'm working in. So they said, look, this is the first time we are hiring anybody who's uh, visually impaired. We don't know a lot of things, but you'll have to tell us what job you would want, what is that you would want to work as. And this is that, you know, we will go back and work out something. I, I knew that, you know, I, I am good at operating computers, finding the information that I would need, writing emails, a little bit of reports on Excel and all that. So this is what I've got. You tell me what job you have. Then I asked them back. Okay, then they worked out something and then say, okay, we will try this uh, guy uh, for about six months and then see what is working for him and what is working for us. And then we'll take a collective decision. 
or mutual decision that is working out for both of us. I think that was very, very right approach in, in uh, getting somebody on board. Otherwise, what happens is uh, you get somebody on board and there's a disappointment and that will become a stigma or a taboo for the next person to come in. I think uh, that was very, very mature way of handling. So then I, I was interviewed uh, for about uh, four or five rounds. All the people uh, in the organization from the senior manager to the VP, everybody met me and, then, uh, and I was given this opportunity. And after one year, and uh, they gave me a star employee of the uh, year for I'm not at all surprised because what I've noticed the way you're telling your story is the amazing positive attitude that you possess. Now, where did this attitude stem from, Abhasin? Because uh, as you're telling your story, what helped you through and through was this positivity that you carry within. How are you so positive? Yeah, my my music teacher again, uh, like she's been with me since my childhood. Um, I have not discussed too much in detail with my parents because they don't really understand. But my, my music teacher, she saw that uh, every small, small thing she identifies and uh, she coached me. For example, I gave you an example of uh, Veena. She wanted to give me as a gift. She taught me a lesson there. So she, uh, despite me being Muslim, she is a Brahmin. Um, well, she, anybody would have had a little bit of hesitation, but then she was such a person that she didn't have a hesitation. She always uh, encouraged me to be positive, and she pushed me to to the uh, to the to my beyond my capabilities. So she helped me discover myself. She helped me go beyond my own uh, caliber, and then give it a shot. And what comes after that is not not in your control. You give your best shot and then whatever comes after that, you need to build on that. I think that is the lesson she gave. And ever since, I always uh, worry about taking the first step. The second step naturally opens up. Yeah. And you know, today people are very skeptical. They have this fear of failure. So not many people take a risk and get out of their comfort zone. To people like that and young uh, children who are now moving into college who want to take a risk but are not sure, so they go the set path and the road taken already. Very few step into the road not taken. So to such people who are hesitant, what would you want to tell them? Because you've always gone beyond yourself, asked everywhere. Like you said, your curiosity is your biggest strength. And that has helped you uh, see ways of learning your way rather than the way the world dictates. So what would you like to tell such people who hesitate because of the fear of... Yeah, um, for those people, I would say, if you hesitate the first step, right, you, you really have to sit. The thought uh, that you can get up, thought that you can take a step, in itself is a great step. So I think... Have that thought always. You will naturally take step. Number one. Number two, worry not too much about what happens always after you take the first step. If it goes wrong, you will always have the ability to bounce back. Do your course correction. That's fine. But if you don't take a step and then don't initiate, I think then you will have a big regret that you have not made an attempt to try that. 
So uh, today, when we talk about your profession, uh, where are you in HR? Still in talent acquisition or you've gone way beyond? Yes, I joined here as a fresher. Today, I am an assistant manager. I have uh, three reporters uh, who are reporting to me. I, I get them on uh, par with other teams, get them to the pace that, it, that we expect them to be at work. I help them um, understand the process, business, um, talent acquisition skills, and, and especially the uh, interviews. How do you... Uh, conduct an interview, how do you go with your negotiations? You know, th those are uh, key skills that they will have to acquire at, at a talent acquisition role. Yeah, so a uh, company has uh, recognized my talent and have, they have recognized me with several awards. I said uh, star of the, star employee of the year, yeah. uh, the wall of support award, uh, few promotions, um, recognition by various means. So it's been uh, 12 years for me in this organization and uh, the journey is still on and uh, there is a lot of fire in the belly still. Uh, so I, I want to also thank uh, the leadership team here. I also want to thank my manager who brought me up, literally brought me up from nowhere and, and uh, today I'm an assistant manager. Wow. So you sure are an inspiration for a lot of people around you. Do you do you recall any story where uh, somebody came back to you with the feedback on how your presence, what you told them, changed their way of thinking or how you inspired them? Yeah, a um, lot of people give me feedback. I think taking feedback is indeed a very, very important thing. Otherwise, you will not... Learn everything yourself. You know, somebody will uh, will will view it from outside and then let you know. And that's very very key. And at organization, many people give me feedback. My team, I, I can I could not have asked for a better team. I've got a, such a uh, supporting team. Anywhere I have a little bit of issues, they 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 are around. Um, secondly, um, uh, be it profession or outside. You know, you you will also have to learn from your own um, activities or um, experience, right? Uh, otherwise, you will you will only take the first step. You will never take the second step. Yeah. So, um, rather than you take only a first step every time, you, know, you learn and take the next step, uh, building on the first step. I think, uh, and also I I believe uh, whatever you get from the society has to be given back to the society. So it means that I learned from my manager all the skills, uh, tricks of the trade at a talent acquisition. Uh, at, at an assistant manager, I need to give that back to my team. Uh, I think uh, these are things that I really, really value. And I uh, these are my principles too. Okay. And uh, now when you look back, you have tread a journey, a road, which has been quite a, a road full of milestones that you can be proud of. Awards, recognition, uh, amazing people, mentors, who have all groomed you to be who you are today, Basim. But is there any one moment in this journey of yours till now, which you look back at 
with a lot of fondness and get your inspiration and attitude from? Yes, um, they say uh, for every success of a man, there is a woman behind it. Yeah. So for not one woman, there are multiple of them. My, my mother is the biggest source of inspiration. It was her determination that I needed to be a graduate, um, which she she did sacrifice a lot. You know, I do not want to get into too much of details. And you know, she used to come from care from and then by bus, she used to get tired and she used to sleep on the bus stop. And yet, you know, she would reach my school and then, um, you know, take me home weekly ones and stuff like that. And my dad is an auto driver. He made me sit next to him um, and show me the show me the places around. If you take a right, it will go to Kiarpam. If you take a left, it will go to Kepal. Oh. So yeah. Today, I have my own. I can travel independently all across the country in the, in the U.S. I've been to U.S. in 2004. Right? So my parents have given me great source of inspiration. Second, uh, life lessons from my music teacher, uh, which I've already discussed. And uh, you would also need your family to stand by uh, in your tough times. Uh, I think one person from your family is next to you, you you can face the world. I yeah. think uh, when I look at these people, these people make me uh, feel proud that I've got such a people around me and I thank God for uh, keeping me in the middle of such people. So uh, that is that is something I always uh, thank God. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And since you're in this reflective phase, uh, my next question is about the pandemic. Everyone went into our own reflective cocoons and uh, paused. It was a forceful pause, not that we wanted to take it, but it gave us a lot of understanding of what exactly life is and what needs to be given importance. So how was it with you, Vaseem? How did the pandemic treat you? What were your reflections from the pandemic? All right, I would like to answer this question in two parts, Vashmi. One, um, at a personal level. Yeah. Right? And the one at a person with disability level in general. Because these two will have a, a greater uh, insights what a person uh, with disability or what a person like Wasim has uh, gone through. I consider myself a little lucky at a personal level because I have a job that I can do work from home. Right. And I also um, was in a position that, you know, my I can do some online transactions to run my family. Now, if you look at the person with disability in general, it is very difficult because online teaching is not meant for persons with disability. A person who has to study sitting at home, um, it's very difficult, right? Um, I, I, I give you an example of my own. You know, I always wanted somebody who's before me reading this out and having a conversation, not just reading it out. That is very, very key for persons with disability. Second, for those who are at home, it is not a good sign that person is at home. We build a lot of confidence by moving around, changing bus, talking to people, asking for help, blah, blah, blah. All these were not possible in the COVID. For example, I have a brother who's blind. He did not 
step out of home for about 20-25 years because he was not uh, same as I am in terms of uh, understanding things. So he needed a special attention. So because I was in my school, boarding school, he did not get that opportunity. But I, when, when I finished my education, I ensured that he goes out on his own to the way, to the place wherever he wants to go. Now, if he is sitting at home just because COVID or whatever reason that he is not able to work, it's very, very difficult for him to make a mark in this society or even to be a competitive in the market. Third, a lot of things, technology is uh, slowly opening up, but still, you know, you, you cannot go to ATM. Right? You you cannot go to hospital. You cannot uh, approach somebody for some help. There's some needs to be done at home. And when you cannot do these kind of things, it's very difficult for persons with disabilities. So uh, I'm thankful to God that you know we we've, we've overcome that. And there are a few uh, apps such as uh, Seeing AI and stuff like that where you can make a call and then still seek a help. But it's it's always a limitation uh, for persons with disability. On that sense, I am very very lucky. Um, I had people around, and I I was able to do things on my own, banking, shopping, whatever that I wanted to. Otherwise, it was very very difficult for persons with disability. Very very true. And Vasim, on that note, three life lessons that you'd like to leave us with. Three life lessons is. Um, Stay positive. Your determination will tell actually who you are when you accomplish things. Mm -hmm. it, is not, uh, it is not what step you take. It is actually what you decide on your action. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one thing. Second thing, if you think you've achieved one, don't get into uh, rest mode. You know, there's, there's nothing called, you know, it's a time for relax. There's a saying, miles to go before I sleep. There's always something that you can do more. It's never like you've done and then over. I think always have that burning desire to go beyond and do beyond. And third, of course, is a relationship. I, I give a great deal of importance for the relationship. Also, because that is also in a way uh, stress buster. You know, people, somebody would be around to, you can put your head down on their shoulders and then you know, probably cry on and then lean on and then discuss, right? Uh, I think you need somebody to talk to. You need somebody to share. I think give great importance to your relationship. These are the three lessons that I would like to pass it on to people. Thank you so very much, Vaseem. I'm sure you're an inspiration with whoever you have met. God bless you. And may you continue to inspire. Honored to have had you on You and I with Rashmi Shetty. And all I can tell you is, May your tribe increase and may this positive attitude that you carry continue to be spreading the joy the world needs so much today. Thank you so much for your time, Basi. Thank you for having me here. Pleasure. Take care. Bye. Bye. With that, we come to the end of this weekly quest of You and I with Rashmi Shetty. Do let us know if you know people who make the world beautiful. Write in to rashmi.thethirdeye at gmail.com That is R-A-S-H-M-I dot T-H-E-T-H-I-R-D-E-Y-E -E -E at gmail.com Come, 
let's explore this amazing world together both you and i